0: everybody welcome to our special palm sunday service as we know jesus was resolute and setting his heart and mind towards going to jerusalem and uh, as we know now looking back at the story he really was going right into the lion's den and if i'm honest if i knew i was going to be going to a place where people were going to arrest me and beat me up and crucify me i would have run in the opposite direction But Jesus knew that this was the time that his father had set, and so he headed straight for Jerusalem. And this is what we're going to be preparing for and sharing over the course of this week in Holy Week as we journey towards the cross. But let me not get too far ahead of myself. We're going to pray together, light the candle, and then just enter into a time of quiet before we share in the scriptures. So come join me. So perhaps we can just put our coffee down for a moment, make sure all the phones are off, and we're going to light the candle. Just reminding ourselves that God is present with us wherever you are watching and wherever we are taking part in this service. And join me, I've got a special prayer for us this morning. Come, let's pray. Blessed are you, Holy God, for in Jesus Christ, you came to rule in our lives, not as a king, but as a humble servant, riding on a donkey enter into our hearts this day with your glory that we may greet you with shouts of praise and we ask this through jesus christ our lord and our savior amen
1: today's reading is taken from john twelve twelve to 19 and it's read from the new living translation bible the next day the news that jesus was on the way to jerusalem swept through the city A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They they shouted, Praise God, blessing on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Many in the crowd had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about this miraculous sign. Then the Pharisees said to each other, There's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Here ends our reading from the New Living Translation.
0: So having heard that scripture reading from John's Gospel, here's a question or a thought for us today. Why didn't Jesus go through the back roads or avoid the crowds or the Pharisees and the religious leaders in order to get to where he was going? You know, why did he allow the crowds to follow him why why you know did he come in on the donkey and all the waving of the palm branches what was the message behind that now we're going to get to that in a few moments but we also must just think about the times in which jesus was living you know jesus didn't have access to the internet he couldn't put onto facebook hey everybody i'm coming to jerusalem hope to see you there or he couldn't put onto his instagram you know a a photo of of him saying you know i am the king or i'm the messiah he needed to visually show people that he was coming as their king and so all of this had been pre-arranged and pre-planned as he came into jerusalem but even though he went to all these great lengths the disciples still didn't yet understand what was going on let me read verse 16 of john 12. at first his disciples did not understand all this only after jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had been done all these, sorry, that, that they had done these things to him? So what Jesus was really doing was fulfilling prophecy. He was fulfilling this prophecy that took a place in the time of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 9. And if you want to go and read that, please have a read of that beautiful prophecy. In that prophecy, Zechariah said, See your king comes to you which is Jesus now coming as the king into Jerusalem, gentle and riding on a colt or on a donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. So it's also very specific about that. Then it says he will proclaim peace to the nations. And so jesus as he comes into jerusalem is making this massive public statement about who he is and what he's come to do of course the crowds didn't fully understand this like i've said and so although we know they shouted the words hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord we remember if you look at the direct translation of the word hosanna it means save now so Although some people were praising God and and, and glorifying Jesus as, as the Messiah or as the rabbi coming into Jerusalem, some of them were hoping that he had come to save them from the oppression of the Romans. And so you have these kind of mixed agendas in all of this, which we're going to come to in a moment. Because we know very well, friends, that even though on Palm Sunday they shouted Hosanna, that a few days later those same people We're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And so what I wanted to do for us this morning is just to pick up three particular things that are worth reflecting on from John chapter 12, and and questions that we can ask ourselves as we encounter and remember Palm Sunday again this particular year. So as we take our journey this week towards the cross and then the empty tomb on Sunday, um, I want us just to reflect on our own spiritual journey. And there's a few things that I want to propose or even just posed to us this morning. The first one is a question, and that is this. Do we have the right idea about Jesus? Because certainly if we look at the crowds, the vast majority of people that were there on that Palm Sunday, they thought they knew Jesus. They thought they had an idea of who he was. But as that began to change throughout the week, they suddenly became more and more uncomfortable about that. Now, I'm not sure if you can relate to some story or some incident in your life where you where you think you know something and then you are really thrown a curveball. I've got a story that I want to tell and I often like to share this story and I hope my friend who the story is about is listening to this today. Well, we went to his wedding many years ago, probably about over 20 years ago now and uh, I knew him by his first name. Well, I've been calling him that name for years and as they came to the part in the wedding ceremony where the minister was asking uh, them to share their vows and give their full names this very good friend of mine was using a different name and then the minister was using the different name and I was actually I was kind of giggling to myself I said hey these guys don't even realize they've got the name wrong and after the ceremony I went up to my friend and I said hey why did you and the minister you know you used wrong names and everything and to my surprise this friend that I'd known for so long he said to me no dumb, that actually is my real name I just don't use it very often and I have to admit, I was kind of disappointed, but, but also I realized, wow, you know, I think I, I knew this friend of mine intimately, but there were some things that I didn't actually know about him. And so maybe this is why Jesus asks Simon Peter at some point as they're journeying towards the cross in Matthew 16, verse 15, Jesus says to Simon Peter, who do you say I am? Because that is the question that God is asking all of us in this journey towards the cross. You know, don't worry about what the crowds are saying. Who do you say I am? And that's an important question for us to hold on to in this, our journey on Palm Sunday. It's very easy to see how nowadays people have a different idea of who Jesus is. Um, You could look at a range of different responses. So for example, sometimes politicians see Jesus as one of the pawns that they can use in their agenda. Sometimes fundamentalists also want to use certain aspects of Jesus' ministry for their own agenda. Socialists do the same. Sometimes people use Jesus as some kind of good luck charm, you know, almost like a magic genie. The more we rub the, the magic lamp that Jesus will come out and answer all of our questions or meet every one of our demands. For some people, their idea of Jesus is just in the language that they use. And so they may use the name of Jesus every day, but sadly it's actually just in a derogatory way or even in a swear word. And so when we ask this question of of what, what is your idea of Jesus, we mustn't just look at the people who were there on that Palm Sunday, but also ask ourselves the question. Because the signs were all there for those people. There was a lot of evidence I mean, just take, for example, again, the illustration of the donkey or the cult of the donkey in, in John's version. Now, now that's important for us because in the context of the time, remember that when a king came in victory or came in, in, in a sense of going to war, a victorious king, he rode on a horse. Remember that, it a stallion. Now, Jesus was deliberate in choosing the cult of the donkey because it's, it meant that he was coming in peace. And also the the donkey was often used in service so jesus was coming in peace as well as coming in humility now now many of us know that from from hearing it in many other sermons but the reality is that if people were actually aware of it they would have seen all those signs Um, they would have been able to see the ancient prophecies and join the dots and seen who he really was because in this act this palm sunday this triumphant entry into jerusalem Jesus was revealing his mission, his love for people, his forgiveness, the characteristics of the kingdom. He was, all of that was was there for us to note. But not everybody saw that. We could see some responses from people on that Palm Sunday. Those who were really committed, took their cloaks off and laid it on the road as Jesus rode past. Others grabbed palm branches, which you can see today in, in the video. Because this wasn't a planned parade, Jesus hadn't, like I said, sent out a Facebook invite and sent a big message saying, Hey, bring all your banners, bring your, not vuvuzelas, but bring your ram's horn, and bring all those things so you can celebrate with me. It was a spontaneous entry into Jerusalem. So that's why they cut the palm fronds and were able to use that to wave and to celebrate with him as he came in. Of course, there are also those who probably were caught up in the crowd but then lost interest and and went back to what they were doing before. And so this is the first point I leave for us today and that is to ask that question is, do we have the right idea about who Jesus is? And that's important for us to ask ourselves today. My second question for us on this Palm Sunday may seem like a very unusual one, but I'm gonna give it to you and then please wrestle with this. The question is this, does Jesus threaten us at all? And let me share from John's Gospel to explain what I mean in this question. So if you carry on reading just past where we we finished this morning to verse 20, you'll see this. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. So that's talking about the feast of the Passover. Now, that doesn't seem strange at all at first at first glance, because there were many um, non-Jewish people or converts to Judaism who were coming to the Passover festival. And of course, some of those would have been Greek-speaking people. But as Jesus starts to, to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah, and people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. There are some people who know their scriptures so well, that know that Zechariah chapter 9 goes on to say something interesting. Now, just picture yourself as a Greek-speaking person, knowing the fulfillment of prophecy, now you hearing that this Messiah could be coming to set up a new rule, and new kingdom, and in your mind and heart you remember this scripture, Zechariah 9, verse 13. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece." And make you like a warrior's sword. Now, tell me if you're not Greek speaking, if you're not feeling a little bit intimidated by that. You're beginning to wonder to yourself I wonder if this Jesus of Nazareth is coming to, to be like a uh, an outlaw in a way, coming to set people free, and I wonder if he's not going to come and and start targeting us. I mean, we Greek-speaking. You know, where does this prophecy start and where does it end? And so they begin to feel threatened by Jesus. Now, if you carry on reading the story in John's Gospel, this is the reason why they come to seek an audience with Jesus, because they want to know more about who He is and to sense what His heart is in this whole triumphant entry. So the question I'm still asking us is, are we threatened by Jesus? You know, I think that this plays itself out in church in in different ways. Because many of us are happy to come to church and sit down in church and spend time maybe even watching this. But then when we realize Jesus wants 100% commitment from us, then we start to feel threatened. We start to feel a little bit uncomfortable. I mean, John 12 verse 26, Jesus said, whoever serves me must follow me. and. And I've seen this myself in church before. In fact, I think I was like this before I made a commitment to Christ, is that you go to church expecting it to be 60 minutes, for example, and then when the preacher goes on five minutes or the service goes on 15 minutes, you get so agitated that you just want to get out of there. Now, for me, I began to realize that my heart wasn't right with God. So I was willing to give him 60 minutes or whatever it was, give him a little bit of time. But when he was asking for everything... I began to feel threatened by this and the key in this Holy Week is to realize that a committed faith in Jesus is not a self-centered faith it's a faith that's rather Christ-centered and in order to be Christ-centered I sometimes have to feel a little bit uncomfortable maybe not threatened in a sense but uncomfortable so I can't look through my diary and say oh Jesus I can fit you in here on Tuesday or maybe I can fit you in on Sunday but I've got quite a busy schedule We realize that God is asking everything of us sure that doesn't mean you've got to sit in this church building seven days a week 24 hours a day but it means that when we give Christ our lives we give him everything and that is threatening for us because we wonder what he may be asking for us and so I'm going to ask you that question as we journey towards the cross is are we afraid perhaps in letting go does giving our lives to Christ or surrendering to Christ does it threaten us in some way Or are we still hanging on to our own agendas and our own version of faith? And I I want us to think about that question. The third point I want to raise from this passage today from John chapter 12 has to do with winning and losing. Now, this struck me when I read it from the New Living Translation. And I want to share verse 19 with you. Now, the Pharisees responded when they saw the crowds going after Jesus. They said these words. We have lost. Look, the whole world has gone after him. And then it struck me that the attitude of the Pharisees was all about winning and losing. They were worried that people, now that their congregation members or the people from the synagogue had now left them and they were running after Jesus, they saw Jesus as being a threat. I mean, John's gospel does, does say in verse 11, chapter 1, Jesus came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. So, I mean, we know that that was um, spoken about of Jesus. But instead of seeing Jesus as the Messiah and the answer to their prayers, their long waited prayers, prayers, the Pharisees suddenly saw this as a game of winning and losing. And of course, they were threatened by this, and they began to feel angry, and that's the You know, how the the things changed for Jesus and he was arrested and then crucified. And I think sometimes in the church context, we also must check ourselves in this. Because we've seen throughout the history of the church that sometimes people follow a person or follow a particular church movement. And other churches begin to feel like, oh, you know, maybe we've lost. And it's got nothing to do with that. Because the kingdom of God is about drawing people into this relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think over my ministry, I've begun to realize this more and more, although it's hard when people leave the church for whatever reasons, to understand that it's not about me, me losing and other people winning, but it's about people being drawn into an experience of Jesus, who is our Messiah and who is our King. And I was challenged by this quote from Charles Swindle, who one day he said these words, The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts, than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or even say or do, than appearances, than skill or giftedness. Attitude will make or break a company, a church, a home, etc. And that also, I've been living with that quote this week because when it comes to Palm Sunday, it's all about attitude. Attitude. First of all, we see Jesus' attitude towards being resolute, journeying towards the cross, what he had been preparing for his whole life. We see the attitude of the followers of Jesus, some very fickle, some very loyal. We see the attitude of the Pharisees, um, the bystanders. Palm Sunday is all about attitude. And I came across this also, which I want to share just before we move on to our last point, is that wherever Jesus is not fully welcome in our lives, that's where the real battle is going to take place in our attitudes. We're doing all kinds of things, sometimes hoping to find peace, but God is saying to us, until we get our attitudes together right here, right now, we will not have peace, even though we seek for it. And that's a challenging thought, and i leave that with you today, to, just to reflect on your attitude with Christ as we enter this time of Holy Week. Just as we close our story and our sermon today about Palm Sunday, I wanted to share a legend or a story with us that hopefully could just bring things together. It's told about a village in Spain that was um, kind of out of the way and had not had a visit from the king for centuries. And so anyway, they heard the news that the new king was going to come and just celebrate with them. And so of course the villagers were so excited. I imagine almost like the crowd on Palm Sunday. And they thought to themselves, you know what, we need to celebrate with the king. But because they didn't have much money and they weren't very wealthy there, they thought, well, what can we do to honor the king? Now, being in the Spanish country, they had beautiful vineyards and some lovely wines there. So the, the elders of the village thought to themselves, well, what we can do is bring what we've got, and that is some of our choice wine. So, they asked each of the families in each of the villages to bring a nice uh, cup of their, their best wine and to bring it into a big vat and to pour it in. So, the day before the king was going to arrive, all the villagers were doing that, bringing their, their chalice or their cup of wine, pouring it into this big vat, and uh, there's lots of excitement taking place in the village. So when the king arrived the next day, and after all the speeches and all the entourage have done all their things, the king then goes to this giant vat to pour a glass of this beautiful wine. And so you imagine the king there with his golden goblet, and he's there, and his servant pours the wine for him. And the king puts the the goblet to his mouth, and he drinks, and he realizes in that moment that what he's drinking is not the combination, or not this blend of beautiful wine, but he's drinking water. Because what happened was that every person was thinking the same thing. Every person in that village was thinking to themselves, you know what, I can't really afford to give this cup of wine, so I'll give a cup of water. Because one cup of water amongst thousands of cups of wine, no one's going to know the difference. But in the end, everyone did that. And so what the king was drinking was just water and not any uh, watered-down wine. And I like that story because what it says to us, it challenges me, and I think it should challenge us as the church, that as we journey towards the cross, what Jesus is asking of us is, what are you willing to bring? Are you willing to bring something that's fake or something that's an imitation? Or are you willing to bring yourself? Because the cross demands of us everything, friends, as well as the empty tomb, that the gift of eternal life calls us to some kind of response and action. And so this question I want to ask us before we pray together. This Palm Sunday, are we choosing to honor our great King by giving Him our very best? Or is there something we are withholding from Him? Maybe because we don't understand who He is, or maybe we feel threatened by Him, or maybe we feel like we are losing in this relationship with Christ. Think about those things as we pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much for the gift of Palm Sunday, and we want to join with the crowds as they proclaim, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But Lord God, help us to do that today with the right reasons, understanding truly who you are and the commitment that you are asking of us. And so as we continue in this beautiful journey of Holy Week, as we edge closer towards the cross and the glory of Easter Sunday, Lord, may your Spirit speak to us as we give more and more of ourselves to you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Friends, I ask that God would bless you as you head out into the week. And if you do know the words of our benediction, say it with me. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.